0: Welcome to the Massive Impact Show. I'm your host, Taylor. Today I've got with me a very special guest, usually my co-host, Nathan Fort. Nathan, how's it going?
1: Good, Hey, I'm excited about this because this is gonna be all about me, right?
0: Yeah, we're, absolutely. We're
1: digging into my story and uh, I'm usually a co-host asking the questions, but this is this is gonna be fun. Yeah,
0: it's gonna be a little different. We're gonna talk about business, gonna talk about overcoming adversity, talk about wealth, maybe a little investing. It's gonna be good. So let's talk about where you are today. You're running a wealth management practice, retirement, tell me about that.
1: I'd say the biggest thing I do is I help people understand financial concepts and we strategize and we plan. Um, One thing that's kept me from getting bored the 18 years I've been doing this is every individual, every household is unique. Everybody's Mm -hmm. situation is different. The resources are different. Timeline, family dynamics, everything's unique. So it's almost like I've got a, a new riddle to solve. But essentially what I do is I get to know a family, get to know their goals, their challenges, uh, their resources, and we we work together to build out a plan. But I'd say 80% of what I do really is help people understand financial concepts so that they they get the logic behind what we're doing.
0: Right. What's, what's the, if you had to kind of boil it down to the biggest mistake that you see or the biggest misconception that people come into, to your practice with, what would you say that is? Uh, the, the biggest is not having a plan, not having a strategy.
1: Right. I see a lot of uh, uh, resources, mm-hmm. but no real strategy. It's almost like if you're building a house and you just have a, uh, a lot just stacked with a bunch of different materials and we don't know what we're building. Right, right? I mean, it's good that you have the materials because right. we can build something out of it, but um, there's gonna be a lot of inefficiencies if you don't have a plan to start with you're probably going to overbuy some stuff. You're you're not mm-hmm. getting order as much as another, and you might get the wrong stuff. So, uh, a lot of what we do is is taking you know whatever resources that family has accumulated and kind of assigning a purpose to it. Uh, so everything aligns with an overall objective, like right. like building a house.
0: Right. Absolutely. So, get them in there. Figure out their objectives. Figure out how to make it all align. Once you do that what's what's the reaction from the people that you work with like what's what's the overall feeling that they get walking away from that and how is it different from when they first walk in your door oh the first word that comes to my mind is relief yeah yeah um, wh- wh- when things are
1: not clear from a financial planning standpoint you just feel that they're not you know you just don't have that level of of confidence that right. you really need um, so what I like to see is uh, just that feeling of relief there's uh, confidence I'll say the word again uh, where they just feel a whole lot more comfortable with where they're at and to me that is probably the most rewarding thing about what I do because you right. know a lot of that kind of falls back to and you, you'll probably get here in a second but my, my upbringing right. um uh, and some, some of the struggles we went through in my earlier years yep. I think that makes these moments a little more sweet
0: for right. me and did, did you know that you wanted to get into financial services or, you know, how, how did you get into that path?
1: You know, I, I didn't. Uh, I learned from my upbringing that um, I needed to figure out a way to get money and understand money. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a lot of really tough circumstances, um, really hard, very difficult things we went through. And I just understood that, you know, whatever it is I do, I've got to, I've got to figure this whole money thing out. And I didn't know how to do that. You know, you right. can get all the way through high school and college without one financial planning course. Right. You know, so you're not necessarily going to leave school knowing what to do with money and you know taxes and investing. You kind of have, you're kind of left to your to yourself. Yeah. Um, and you know, experts and fortunately, there's uh, a lot of experts out there. There's there's great books and mm-hmm. courses and and that's eventually what I what I started doing, but.
0: So you got into, you know, reading about it, studying for almost a selfish reason, right? Like to protect yourself and then that led into a career. How did how did you actually get into, you know, wanting to get licensed and, and get into the industry? So that was uh, it, it, my father-in-law, okay. my, my wife's
1: dad. He was a financial planner mm. and uh, you know, I had all this built up motivation to understand money. And like I said, I didn't know how I was gonna do it. right. Then I, you know, I met my wife and met uh, her dad, and that's when the light bulb went. I'm like, oh, holy cow, this is this is one way that I could do this. Yeah. Um, and so I got into the financial services business, you know, mostly like selling financial products. But that's that's all I knew how to do. But right. that that set a good, um, it
0: kind of laid the groundwork for kind of the beginning of my financial education. And at what were you with a a big firm at that point, or or I would say it was Start a big out. one.
1: It was kind of a smaller agency. There okay. were maybe 20, 30 of us. And for the most part, everybody was kind of independent. So I, w- I wasn't really a W-2 employee. Right. Um, but, man, I, this is a true story. I went from washing windows on, like, a, a Monday to um, offering financial products, like, on a Wednesday. <laughs> and uh, when I understood the numbers, yeah. um, of course, you know, sitting down... Being, you know, clean in an air-conditioned room talking about money right. was a whole lot more attractive than, than of hanging off up. that top rung on the ladder. I'm sweating and, you yeah. know, well, that's,
0: <laughs> it was uh, that's quite the hard shift. Work. That's quite the shift in your oh, day-to-day huge. activity. Um, so at what point did you make the jump to, you know, being a business owner being independent and being entrepreneurial? The longer I was in
1: the business, the more aware I became of what else was out there. because. I am always uh, and that's just something about me I'm I'm always asking you know what's the next step what's the next level right. I'm always looking ahead and and um, and so I've kind of learned you know where the very top is and that's essentially where we are here with with massive. I mean right. this is kind of the pinnacle of wealth management. So uh, it it took some time to get there and there's uh, I mean there's so much I've learned in 18 years and um, I've seen so many things change from markets to tax uh, law to, you know, in, in inflation and, and uh, just the, the culture behind retirement planning and right. wealth management. There's just it's a very fluid, liquid industry, which is kind of what's interesting about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What, what would you say have been the biggest changes that you've seen recently that people need to you know, be aware of? What, what's shifting in the industry? I think some walls are breaking down. You know, Um,
1: I think there's been this, this, uh, uh, this arena where the the ultra high net worth institutional investors have kind of stayed in. Mm -hmm. That is uh, uh, slowly becoming more and more accessible and available to people who, uh, um, you know, aren't the elite of the elite. Um, You know, you look at. If you just look at um, you know, Investopedia, for example, they say a, a very uh, a very high net worth person would be someone who has over 5 million in investable assets. An ultra high net worth person is someone who has over 30 million in right. assets. But when you look at uh, the history, the, the arena, this ultra high net worth arena with all these uh, institutional private equity type investments has been for a long time exclusive to the, the probably top one percent of the ultra high net worth, right? right. So uh, the billion
0: plus families, yeah, yeah. Because
1: of technology and the access of information, you know, we have this uh, this universe of technology which makes it so easy to, to access information, and uh, we have uh, the ability to put together platforms to uh, kind of streamline things that have been so complicated and and, right. and and difficult to get into. So barriers are getting broken down.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's it's been interesting to watch. Um, you know, for me, it was more as a client looking at the wealth management system and seeing where it's where it was. You know, years ago when we were first kind of looking into wealth management and seeing who would manage our stuff for us, and to today, the options that we've created at, at our company is it's an immense change, right? It's a massive change where now you have so much more access to the the stuff that only the big dogs could get into before. It's it's really exciting and um yeah i i love talking about this stuff obviously let's go back to your roots let's talk about you know how you were raised and and how you really got here right because so much of who we are is kind of ingrained in us from a young age so who was nathan fort growing up how, how did you start out
1: uh well i'm i'm one of eight kids uh i'm a twin my dad was uh, very good at what he did he was an electrical engineer he worked on uh some pretty high high-profile project. He was on the team that designed the B two bomber nice. for Northrop. And, That's cool. Uh, was super brilliant guy. I, I learned very early in high school to not bring my math homework to my dad because he'd wrap my brain in a knot. And you know, he always got the answers right, would sometimes prove the textbook wrong, but it'd take us like three hours to do it. But anyway, he uh, he was laid off quite a bit. So when my yeah. dad finished a, a project, or if the project lost its funding, he was out of work. Mm-hmm. Um, so we. You know we're on welfare for quite a while Uh, we lost the house kind of got back up on our feet with some help and we lost a second house and at that point we were technically homeless we had to move in with my grandparents and uh, I remember you know just the emotional and, and physical toll this took Right. Particularly on my mom. My dad was pretty good at kind of hiding his feelings. He was right. stone cold. Yeah. You know, nothing really bothered him. But, yeah. but my mom, you could see the impact. And, and how
0: old were you at this time?
1: Uh, I was. Uh, it was probably between age eight and uh, fourteen. Okay. So pretty formative yeah. years. Yeah, definitely. You know, and uh, you'd probably agree that some of your earliest experiences with money kind of still shape the way you Absol- think about absolutely. money today. Yeah. So there was a lot of fear associated with money, particularly uh, financial problems. So that was um, really where I got a lot of my motivation to kind of understand money. I I was terrified of the idea of someday having my own family and not knowing how all this stuff worked. So, um, and I also learned from that whole experience how unreliable a job can be. You know, yep. uh, you th- for, for decades and decades it's been preached that you, you go to school security, and get your education, yeah. you're gonna get a secure job. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never saw uh, a secure job on display <laughs> when right. I was a kid. I, right. We were always terrified of my, jo- my dad losing his job. So I actually learned from that to not get a job, don't get right. a job. Right. And, um, and I did all kinds of stuff. I uh, was washing windows, like I said, power washing. I remember uh, working for a buddy of mine who's doing uh, Christmas lights. He's putting Christmas lights up on houses, yeah, which is yeah. pretty good money. It's actually that? not a bad business. So if, yeah. if, if, if you're in high school, college, and you want a, a good idea for making some good money, yeah. uh, there's some good money there. For but sure. I was, I was uh, helping people take down Christmas lights. It was probably uh, January, February. Mm-hmm. And uh, one guy had asked me, he said, hey, while you're up there, can you clean out my rain gutters?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, well, sure. And he's like, well, how much do you charge to do that? I'd never done it. So I I tossed out $300, I think. So he's like, all right. So 30 minutes later. Should have asked for more. (laughs) So I I cleaned out his rain gutters. And 30 minutes later, I got a check for 300 bucks. So the light bulb went on. That next day, I came to the neighborhood. I knocked the entire neighborhood, knocked on every door. And I lined up probably two or three weeks worth of uh, gutter cleaning jobs. Love it. And uh, then someone would ask me, "Hey, do you do you wash windows? Do you power wash?" Well, sure, yeah, we do. I'd practice on my mom's house, so yeah. we, knew, we knew we weren't <laughs> didn't pull all uh, ruining. the siding off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we learned how to do it. And um, so I've always just kind of had that entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah. Um, to you know, I've realized the most reliable source of income for my family is going to be from a business. Mm -hmm. that I create and what I love about what we do is I feel like I've created a business that offers such a high level of reward and satisfaction because we're making such a giant impact Mm -hmm. on people's lives I mean you're talking about generational wealth we're able to make simple adjustments to a, a person's financial plan that could impact generations yeah like who gets to do that it's pretty amazing
0: it's a fantastic opportunity I wanted to go back to you know something you were saying when you were a kid right how did it affect you seeing because you said your dad handled it really well your mom he
1: pretended n- to handle it he pretended well. to
0: handle <laughs> he he put on a facade right he had a facade of handling yeah. it really well ironclad facade <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right and your mom not as much right what was it like you know what did it feel like how did it affect you emotionally like seeing your mom go through that like i want to dive into that more because i think yeah those are the moments that psychologically kind of form the framework for how we're going to process stuff in the future right yeah how did that affect you i remember i was
1: probably nine or ten years old when i saw uh, my mom for the first time have a a stress-induced seizure oh wow is she uh she was kind of she had these tremors. She was kind of trembling and shaking for a few days kind of mm-hmm. leading up to this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we didn't really know what was going on. Right. I just noticed that my mom was acting strange. And we were under, a, she was under a ton of stress. Right. And, you know, for her, this was, uh, it was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she's asking for help from friends and from family. And, mm-hmm. you know, everybody wants to be financially independent. And we're, we kind of have that sense of feeling ashamed when we're not. Right. We shouldn't, but we kind of feel that way. Right. So that really was heavy for her. And I remember watching her, and I'd never seen anybody have a seizure, so I didn't even know what was happening. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I thought, you know, in my you know, nine or 10-year-old mind, I thought my mom was dying yeah, because of our financial problems. Right. And, you know, what would that do to any, any kid, right? you know? Um, and I thought, and that really kind of burned deep inside me, this desire to never let anybody be in a situation, if I have anything to say about it, you know, don't let anybody in that kind of a situation where um, they're so overwhelmed with that, that burden of this financial tragedy. Right. So uh, I was just so terrified of that situation. I really had, you know, some kind of PTSD from that. Yeah. And I, uh, I kind of made it my mission to avoid that. Right. At all costs. So that that's where you know I I, I think I had two jobs where W two jobs I, I buttered buns at Chick fil A and I think I, I helped people find a seat at, at uh, Marie Callender's and mm-hmm. I sold pies. Yeah. And from then on, I was uh, self employed, running my own business because I was I was too afraid of of anybody um, having the power to withhold income from my family, right. and that's how I saw my dad's employers. Like yeah. I was always wondering I was terrified of
0: Of that happening to you. That happening, yeah, yeah. That happening to me. No, which is which is expected. I you know, we'll we'll get into it later, but uh you know, I, I have a similar situation, but it was with my family my mom being really sick and it had kind of the same effect on me where it became this thing that ingrained almost like a fire and a passion in me to make sure that those situations just didn't happen to anyone in my family ever again where do you fall in the siblings you said you're you're one of eight correct yeah i'm te-
1: technically second to last technically because I, okay. I have a twin brother who's a minute older okay so so okay. he's which he's, i'm sure
0: he would make sure we knew yeah, yeah. Uh, of course right of
1: course. Know, we're always reminded of that because remember the oldest got to sit in front yep yep so exactly. he was uh he, he was a minute older so he tried to <laughs> try to claim that principle
0: how did how did this affect your siblings like did they all Go on to be successful? do they all struggle? Did they, they? Yeah,
1: it's 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 kind of a little bit of a, a mixed bag. Okay. Um, but everybody was absolutely impacted by right. it, just in a different way. Right. Um, some of my siblings have seen uh, incredible success just mm-hmm. because they've kind of had that that fear driving right. them. Right. That's uh, a very powerful emotion. <clears throat> Others, uh, I think, have just kind of found a way to to live life. Um, uh, and and really have their focus on on other things mm-hmm. and, and just you know create a comfortable life for themselves and yeah um, But it, it's it's interesting though to see how important Education has been for everybody mm-hmm. just to to understand Money right you know, even if even if there's not a whole lot of it But just understand how it works make sure it's organized and
0: yeah, absolutely You know you mentioned you mentioned fear right a couple times you mentioned fear and, and being afraid you, know, we, you and I have talked about abundance mindset and how you know, we're trying to get our clients to a place where they can have a, an abundance mindset about stuff instead of a scarcity mindset. Right. So you know, now I see you, you're living in this state of abundance. right? You're living in this, this mindset of abundance. How did you shed the fear? Like How do you get over the fear? Because so many people, for whatever you know, reason or experience that they've had, they're grown up, and especially financially, in fear. How do you how yeah. do you get away from that because it's it's so hard to do how did you do it it does take a paradigm shift I think you, yeah. you have to think
1: differently and I think the biggest paradigm shift for me was to understand that um, money comes from good ideas mm-hmm. and money comes from solving problems sure um, it doesn't come from somebody allowing you to have the money you know someone giving you the money you, you can create the money with good ideas and and, uh, and what that means is you know you're you're going to be much better off financially if you have good ideas right. and if you have the ability to solve problems. So that's where uh, just education and being informed and uh, you know filling your mind. Uh, that's been a goal of mine is filling my mind with uh, um, some of the smartest people who've ever walked the planet you know mm-hmm. they, they've basically downloaded their brains into books right I mean, these books it's right. I mean, their you, life's work and you get. Yeah. to yeah you could uh, you could have uh, you know like a four-hour conversation with one of the smartest people on the planet right. for $14 right but you right. know it's kind of a one-way yeah. conversation but yeah. you're, you're getting no, still you're getting that download yeah. and uh, so I think that has helped kind of dispel the fear um, and being in the know mm-hmm. clarity is huge right. if you are confused or if your financial situation is foggy if you're not sure Mm -hmm. um, that your tax strategy is gonna work or if you're not sure that your uh, asset allocation is uh, appropriate or you don't know about the risk that you're taking um, you're gonna be you're really kind of gonna be overwhelmed by uh, just that lack of clarity so having clarity being informed having a team um, so yeah, I can only know so much, but I can I can get to know people who are much smarter than me right. in other areas, mm-hmm. and the more I can uh, kind of recruit, kind of my own a a, a team,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I can minimize and even eliminate a lot of those right. risks.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So on your on your kind of educational path, did you go the traditional route? Did you go to college? Did you skip college? How how, how was the education path? It's
1: kind of funny. So so having the context of my upbringing is probably good right now to kind of understand how I approach school so uh, you know I I had a hard time focusing in high school that was uh, uh, I I, I just was so interested in uh, being financially comfortable just so afraid of that whole circumstance I went through with my with my family and I didn't see any solutions to it in high school and so I was it was kind of hard for me to really allow my mind to grab hold on a thing. So I right. did well,
0: yeah.
1: mostly crammed for tests. Yeah. And I, I, I yeah. ended up with like pretty close to straight A's yeah, pretty good at cramming, but
0: not because you were a great student. <laughs> no, because <laughs> yeah.
1: so I was good at cramming <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I got into to school to college and I, and I learned there too that uh, you know nothing here is going to make me wealthy. Mm-hmm. Nothing here is going to uh, address the number one concern that I have you know financially right. And and right around that time is when I met my wife and I uh, met her dad and I realized I need to be filling my mind with information that's going to help me, um, you know, over that concern, that financial concern. So from that point forward, every bit of my education has been um, you know financial fo- financially focused. right? And there's right. a bunch of courses. I've done really
0: just to fill my mind with that information mm-hmm. What uh, what impact have you've mentioned your father-in-law a couple times, right? What impact have mentors had and and how important is it for people that maybe traditional education isn't The the end-all be-all for their growth What, what impact does a mentor have on your your success? Oh huge uh, one
1: thing uh, my father-in-law would say is don't let school get in the way of your education <laughs> Yeah. Um, so you need to be meaningful about your education and and be and and have intent. Right, like know exactly what it is that you're wanting to acquire. What kind of knowledge are you wanting to acquire and yep. go after it? Um, I mean, there's not enough time in a lifetime to read every book mm-hmm. uh, in, in this world, right? right? So you're going to have to be selective. So. Uh, what parameters are you going to use to choose the, the books you read and what you fill your mind with? Well, it should be in alignment with your goals, your ambitions, and uh, maybe maybe your fears. Right. Right. Uh, so, that, and that's really how we've approached our kids' education. You know, my wife mm-hmm. and I have six kids, yeah. and um, we're doing some at-home private school-type courses, but mm-hmm. uh, we're trying to give them as much of uh, the steering wheel as possible to be able to explore their interests because I think you're gonna, you're gonna do the best right. when you're in an arena you're interested in.
0: Right, and with, you know, so your upbringing obviously was very different than how you're raising your kids and the, the experience your kids are having. How do you instill the lessons that you've learned along this journey? How do you instill those principles, those lessons into your kids? Oh,
1: I love this. I'd say the biggest thing, especially if you're um, an investor, is to include your kid. I include my kids in those conversations. Right. I let them listen to my wife and I talk about, you know, a, a real estate deal, a vacation rental or an apartment complex mm-hmm. or a fund right. that we're looking at. Um, and the older the, the older kids will ask questions. Um, you know we, we, we own some real estate, some direct holdings, we'll do vacation right. rentals and um, uh, my kids will ask. The older kids will ask about the numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, how is it that we can afford all these houses? And right. so we'll talk okay. about, right. you know, our gross rents. We'll talk about our mortgage and our, our interest rate. You know, we got a loan from the bank, and we have to pay the bank this much. And we have right. utilities. We got to pay them this much, but we're getting this much in rent. And uh, and there are times I've seen my my sons eyeballs get big and he's realizing holy crap this is cool <laughs> that's the kind of education <laughs> that will make great. It. yeah it's great to yeah, see it's that exciting yeah I, I love it
0: and and how do you you know one of the most common questions that we get from clients is you know they've had this great success how do you make it so that your kids don't become spoiled right everybody has this image of like you know the trust fund kid where they've got all this access to money and they're seeing this money and they're talking about wealth and they turn into these you know, spoiled brats basically. How do you keep your kids from becoming that, involve them and everything, but keep them from becoming those kind of typical trust fund kids?
1: Yeah, I think kids get spoiled when they, uh, they, they get stuff uh, and, and there's, there's no work on their part. Right. Uh, there's, there's nothing really they have that they feel like they've earned. Mm-hmm. I think it's a human nature to want to earn stuff, mm-hmm. you want to deserve stuff. You know, you want to accomplish things, and so, um, and that can be those can be very small things. And and I think uh, parents should know their children well enough to know how to tailor that experience right. to a child. And you could do it at very young ages, but um, you know, if if you've got, you know, we're on about eight and a half acres. We've got fourteen chickens, and we've got a, nice. a dog and. The kids have things that they do that they've got to work for, but also uh, if they want to purchase things, uh, we have a system in our home where the kids earn money, okay. and they have to use their own money for certain types of purchases.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so if it's like a luxury thing, it's not necessary. You know, it's a it's a, a certain type of shoe. They've already yeah. got shoes that we've provided for them, but they want this other. Right. one, Well, you have to buy that one yourself. And. And uh, what's interesting is uh, they're much more interested in what those things cost, because they're using their own money, right? and they have some perspective of what it takes to acquire that money, so it helps them appreciate it
0: yeah. a little better. Are you able to explain that system a little bit? Because so, I'm sure people will be cur- kind of curious about how that works, maybe something people want to implement in their own. Yeah.
1: Well, um, if, uh, it, it, it depends. There was kind of a weekly uh, allowance thing uh-huh. that we did for a while. Yeah. Um, and then uh, as we acquired investment properties, there became a lot more opportunities for the kids to do things. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to identify um, you know, which, which projects are best suited for certain age groups. And so I have my son, for example, he's mowing the lawns for okay. some of the properties. He's doing cool. the yard work and we'll pay him a certain hourly wage. Uh, my daughter will, uh, will help out with some of the cleaning of the properties. she earns money that way. Um, the, the little kids, they come and they do their very best and mm-hmm. you know, they get paid. You'll have to decide you know, what, what you feel like is appropriate for your kids. But right. I think it's, it's, there's nothing better, in my opinion, than for a family to be involved together um, in an activity that is rewarding the family financially. So they right. get an idea for what it takes to support this family financially and everybody gets a piece of it, right? Yeah. It's like your own little family corporation. Yeah. Right? yeah, absolutely. And, and everybody's a, kind of a shareholder and everyone's got skin in the game. Um, and then uh, when they, you know, want to spend their money, they kind of have an idea for what it takes to earn that. So they appreciate it. They're a little more careful, actually, right, right. what they're spending. Right. And, and that's that, that's really what you, yeah. I, I think that's the the financial foundation you want to move into yeah. adulthood
0: with. Well, well and I think it's really cool, too, because it, you're not just focusing on, like, the cash. You're not just focusing on the dollar figure. You're, you're focusing on more so on the principles and how to think about money rather than, like what you're going to do with the money. And I think that's great that you guys can do that in such an effective way. And hopefully a lot of people will implement that in their own lives. I know we will with our kids. Our our daughters are only four and two, so it's a little hard to enforce at this point. <laughs> yeah, but. they're not too young. They're, they're <laughs> no, not they're too young. Not too young, but it, it uh we have like, you know, little... Treats or gifts or whatever that they can earn if they do certain chores and things like That's that. That's
1: great. I mean, it doesn't have to be money. It could be yeah. privileges. Right. I, and one thing I, uh, I'm glad that we've done is we've tried to help our kids understand that we're investing and we're doing this and we're, we're putting all this work into all these different projects, um, not to acquire money, but to acquire freedom. Yeah. It's a and huge and distinction. to be freed from the uh, emotional burden of fearing money you know
0: and and have there been any conversations in your family of what do you do with all that freedom like what what's what's your impact what's your purpose what do you go do with all this newfound Liberty
1: yeah well we we kind of put that into practice so so we'll set goals as a family there's certain things we want to experience together as a family Um, we've we've gotten the kids together and kind of have sponsored uh, families uh, during the holidays. Uh, We've sponsored, um, uh, there's a a great association, I wish I could remember the name of it, uh, in Austin, Mm -hmm. where uh, you're able to to sponsor um, an an orphan, a kid who doesn't have parents, and you're able to kind of get to know them a a little bit. That's Um, cool. But uh, I think doing things like that, where the kids can, again, be involved in the whole process, so they, they don't only understand, you know, what it takes to to um, serve another person and make their life better, but they also get to share in the satisfaction of, right. you know, seeing that family come to their doorstep with, you know, whatever it is you, you right. left there for them, and that that stuff is a whole lot more memorable than anything they've ever, you know, gotten yeah. as a gift.
0: Yeah, it's interesting when when we set up, you know, family foundations or a donor advised fund or anything like that. I always encourage people to involve their kids as much as possible because those experiences are the ones that kind of ring in the principles. They they bring them into the family dynamic and and keep them going for a long time because it associates all the emotion along with the effort and it it just instills those principles permanently and I, I love to see that and and it's great to see it, you know, at work in your family. That's I heard, really cool. I heard.
1: Uh, I think it was uh, David Nealman. He's the founder of JetBlue. Yeah. I think he's he has every one of his kids as board members on right. their foundation on their so, investment council. So for the yeah. Foundation. So their yeah. job is to figure out how to give his money away. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Mixed feelings on that, maybe. But yeah. <laughs> right. Probably, I'm sure a portion of it. Yeah. Yeah. A right. portion. I'm sure they're okay. Yeah. Um, so let's let's shift back to some of the business stuff. Um, when you Went independent right have there been any big hurdles or mistakes that you made along the way where it was like oh man that that was cutting it close, or anything like that well uh, mistakes and hurdles I'd
1: say uh, there are a lot of financial companies that are very interested in getting their products sold Uh uh-huh and uh, they put a lot of money and a lot of effort in getting their product or their package in you know front and center uh, for financial advisors, they right. want to get those pushed. Right. Um, I think it's, uh, and I learned this early on, uh, that you've you've got to understand that the needs and the plan, the financial plan, precedes any products. Right, right, right. because uh, you know, right out of the gate, I saw these really cool financial products. It does this, it does this, and it, it promises this, and everybody should have it. Right, I'm, right. I'm going to save the world. You know, one product at a time. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I realized this was not the best thing, really, for anybody. So uh, I learned that quickly, and, and now everything we do is is planning based. Right. Uh, we want the objectives to come first, like the, the house metaphor. You got to have the house plans before you you know you go shopping for materials. Right. Right. Um, but that that in uh, uh, you know, I, I I understood this, but. The principle became real for me when I, um, I understood the value of bringing together experts in mm-hmm. their own field. Yeah. Um, I didn't have to be the one to have all the answers. Right. Um, and so leveraging some of the brightest minds in this space has been a huge, huge advantage. And that's something I wish I would have learned. Right. You know the first day yeah, I would that would have been my 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 one thing that I would have done was build that team. Yeah. but I kind of yeah. did it on my own for a while Yeah,
0: if you had to say like, you know the biggest lesson you've learned being an entrepreneur or the biggest lesson You've learned being a business that you would want to impart on others that are maybe earlier on in the journey What would that one thing be that you would tell people to focus on?
1: Um, you are the the greatest investment you can make Uh, You you should be investing in yourself more diligently than than anything else Uh, There's really uh, your wealth Your opportunities are limitless if you're filling your mind Mm -hmm. with with information and you're uh, um, Again bringing together a team of people that are doing the same thing, right? So uh, I'd say that's probably the most important thing whatever your field is, you know, just make sure you're at the top of your game in that field, and you're you're up to date on um, on you know all the information that's going to help you do the very best job. Yeah, because it's it's good ideas that brings the money.
0: Right. Knowledge, money is, doesn't bring good ideas. Right. Good ideas bring the money. Right. And knowledge knowledge is what bridges that gap that we were talking about earlier. Right. And and if you can just upgrade your knowledge, you'll eventually find something that you can take action on. It, to that note, you know when people go out and they get all this knowledge there's a lot of people that they have this tendency to kind of sit on it right i was just
1: gonna the second thing that came to my mind yeah yeah. i was like you know fill your fill your your mind with information the second is learn how to sell yeah and not not because you're going to go you know uh, uh peddling products to everybody right but there are some incredible uh uh communication skills you develop when you learn how to sell. Like right. Selling is, is communication. Is right. it is. It's just effective communication. So right. I have this knowledge and information that will solve a problem you have. Selling is my ability to communicate it clearly enough to you to where you right. adopt the idea, right? right? We're selling all the time, right? right. Um, but there are you know getting a good sales job or even waiting tables. I waited tables you know, in college. Right. That was one of the best uh, jobs I ever had to help me understand how to sell and how to mm-hmm. communicate with people. Um, so filling your mind with information, but then honing your skill in in uh, distributing that information to other people, so right. you can actually make
0: a difference. It's not enough to just know; you got to be able to do as well. Yeah, actually have an impact. Right, right. Do something. <laughs> so, um, do you remember when you made when you crossed like making a million dollar mark? Do you remember when that was?
1: Oh yeah, I took a picture.
0: Did you of my bank
1: account? Yeah, I yeah. Took a, yeah I, took, I kept. I took a picture of my. Uh, my 1099s, and yeah, it was a big day.
0: Well, what was that like getting to that point? Like, did you did you feel like you could rest a little bit, or did it just fire you up and wanna to, want to make you keep going? Uh, it, it,
1: it, it fired me up, and it, you know, when you get to that level, when you start operating in those numbers, you also have a very clear perspective of uh, how quickly it can go the other direction. Right. Right, uh, a, a million dollars today isn't what it was, you know, even even three years ago. Right. Right with uh, just the inflation we've gone through, and um, but no, I think it uh, it helped me, uh, it gave me a boost. I would say in the same direction I was I was pointed in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, your second and your second million comes you know exponentially Faster. easier. Yeah. Your third and fourth it, it compounds. Um, so that I, I, I thought you know maybe when I got started in my career, I thought that I would feel a whole lot more. Relieved and satisfied yep. when I got to that number. Fulfilled. But fulfilled. Yeah, but no. <laughs> Just, more, Just more hungry. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think when you when you get there, you realize like, oh, this this isn't that far. Like yeah. I, I thought I thought this would this point would represent much more progress in life, and I still have so much more to do, so much more to, to get after, so much more to build. And uh, you know, it's the same thing for me when we we sold our first company and we got paid. It was like, okay, what now? Yeah, and then right. you, you got to start looking for that next thing. Well, and, you feel
1: a little more safe and secure with yeah. it, but then it's like, well, h- how safe do I want to feel? How free right.
0: do I want to be? Right. Like, if you're going to put a limit on it, right. And and that kind of gets your wheels turning. Right. And and you know you hear people all the time say, well, you know, the first ten thousand is the hardest, and the second is easier, and the first hundred thousand is the hardest, and the second is easier, and the first million is the hardest, and the second is easier. Why do you think that? is is it just compounding interest or does it have more is it something to do with our mentality or what do you feel that no, is No yeah I
1: think it's what happens to you in the process mm. of uh, acquiring that wealth you change you know, right. you're not you don't you're not the same person Right. Um, there's also some confidence that comes with it too mm-hmm. I think that helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah you know, going back to that that you know principle of selling and being able to communicate an idea effectively to somebody um you know the more confident you are the more clear that message is going to be because the right. The recipient is going to be more willing to accept it because of your level of confidence, right? So right. everybody,
0: just everybody kind of feeds benefits. Itself. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's that's pretty cool. So, running a business includes you know managing people and you know staying creative and learning and, and doing and all these things. How do you how do you keep it all straight? Because to somebody starting out, you show everything that you do day to day. You show your schedule, and it, it seems chaotic. It seems like it's too much. So, how how do you manage that time? How do you keep it straight? Uh, Is people
1: I mean, it's, it's having the right people. You know, there are certain things that are going to be easier for you to kind of have a handle on. There, there are some things that might be really difficult. You know, depending on how your mind works and where your interests are, uh, some aspects of your di- of your business are just going to be harder for you to to manage than it would be for another person with a you know, different kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the most successful businesses that I've seen are those that have the right people in the right places. And uh, you kind of need to know where your lane is too as a business owner, like wh- what are you really good at? What can you do right. that nobody else can, right? Right. Uh, and then what are you doing that anybody else can? So kind of identify those two lanes and, and just offload all that stuff somebody else can do right. find really good people to do that so you can stay uh, in your lane right. and uh, that's that's gonna be not only good for your business it's gonna be, it's
0: gonna be good for your emotional health right yeah, and and in that you know kind of thread you're focusing so much on business you're you're kind of just going at it all the time getting after growing your business and adding revenue and taking care of customers and all that chaos what do you do to keep yourself Mentally healthy like what do you do to keep yourself grounded and and not losing your mind in all this noise? Uh, I I just read an interesting book
1: uh, Talked about this. I think it was called uh, how the rich think yeah, and uh, you know most people kind of work and they and they plan vacations and other activities like in between work right Uh, it said the the the, the wealthy ultra wealthy do the inverse they of they work in between their vacations and their activities so uh, y- your your business is only going to be as good as as you know the sharpness of your mind and if you're not you know taking some time to kind of sharpen the saw and, and feed yourself you're gonna you're gonna be worthless uh, right. in your business so uh, we, we plan activities and trips at the very start of the year. My family does. Yeah. We, uh, we decide where we want to go. Now, this, this past year was really kind of exciting because we, uh, instead of giving our kids stuff for Christmas last year, mm-hmm. we gave them all a one-on-one trip with mom and dad. Oh, that's cool. And we kind of tailored each of their trips to kind of their, their interests. Yeah, that's cool. And so that's they're really very cool. diverse trips but we we kind of planned all of those out we said well this is what we're doing this year and um, and it hasn't you know business hasn't suffered because of it in fact you can probably say it's it's been better than ever just because uh, I feel better than ever we're having a really good time yeah so uh, you can get burned out yeah. real easy definitely uh, and I think anybody who owns a business knows that so you've got to be really careful to make sure you're you're taking that kind of time uh, And I'd, and you have habits daily to take care of yourself. I I try to go to the gym at least uh, you know five days right. a week That's that's just as good for my my mental health as, as it is my physical health Absolutely, you know, I have date nights with your your
0: spouse, mm-hmm. you know, my
1: wife and I go out once or twice a week mm-hmm. So all those things kind of keep me fresh. Yeah for the business.
0: Oh, that's great And what do you do for fun? How, how do you when you want to just let loose? What, what do you do?
1: Uh, it could be just you know laying on the floor and having all the kids pile on me and that's just what we do We have a, like a lazy night, you know yes. watch a movie uh-huh. or uh, you know, we'll take our RV up to uh, Colorado and do some hiking uh, We I really enjoy fishing, you know, yeah. we just went out uh, Fishing out in San Diego on a yep. uh, buddy's boat and caught like 35 mahi-mahi and awesome, uh, I'm I love being outdoors Uh and if we can't travel somewhere we'll we'll you know do do something outside you know at the lake or something
0: that's awesome we're kind of we're coming to a close here and, and running out of time producers are telling me to wrap it up but um, my my last thing I, I really wanted to get out of you is you know if you had to leave just a a couple key pieces of information behind that you know you're not going to be here tomorrow you're you're gone and you want the world to know that you knew X, Y, Z, and you want your kids to know this, what, what would those things be that you want to impart on the world and on your family? Um, I'd say uh,
1: your your impact on your family and on your community and on the world can be as, as big as you believe you can make it. Um, awesome. I think really believing in yourself and um, don't wait for somebody to make your life great. Yeah, You've, you've got to do it. I love it.
0: Well, thanks for coming on as a guest this time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast with Nathan Fort, where we talked about everything from business to work-life balance, to getting out of your own head, overcoming fears, running a business. Join us next time. I'm gonna interview Marco Champion, talking about entrepreneurship, marketing, and everything else in between. We'll see you soon.